In preparation for uh, today's message, we will be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 4 to 14. That's uh, Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 4 to 14. If you have your Bibles with you, please uh, open them in that portion of the scripture and uh, join me in reading God's word silently. Again, uh, may I invite everyone to please uh, stand in reverence to the word of God. Having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they, for to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but, but you remain, and they will become old like gar- a garment, and like a mantle you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed, but you are the same. You and your years will not come to an end, but to which of the angels has he asked? As he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Praise God for the reading of his word. We may now be seated. Before I begin the sermon, I'd like to, we will be praying, but uh, prior to that, I would like to explain something from your bulletin. You noticed perhaps that sometime in May, we reduced the building fund. The building fund was reduced until it reached 600 level, 600,000 level. Now it's going back up. The reason for that, when we had no services, there was no collection, but we still had obligations as a church. We had to pay for a staff, we have to rent the building, and we have to pay certain things to the government as well as required. So we borrowed money from the building fund in which our hope is to pay for it steadily and slowly now that we are slowly getting back to our, our uh, regular giving. We're not yet back there yet, but sometimes some people nakaipon siguro, malaki binibigay, sometimes some of us give 190 plus, we've had a few of those. We thank you for for saving up your giving until we were all back here and restored. Let us pray for our people. So many have been affected in terms of their income, especially our our brothers and sisters who are entrepreneurs. And um, therefore, we have to rely on the giving as well of the employees and others. Take note that coming here, it's not free in the sense that free for you, you can sit there. We don't charge you anything, but we have to pay for, sorry, we have to pay for air conditioning. We have to pay for air conditioning. We have to pay for uh, many things here in, in, uh, even the second floor, we allow you to use it. So do pray for the, our people, and let us pray for God's financial blessings on the church uh, as well. 
Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love and compassion. We thank you for this morning that we can come, we can worship, we can pray, and we can listen to your word. We pray, let your word illumine our minds and speak to our hearts from your word. We know that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, conforming us to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Yet we know in truth as well that you sanctify us with the word. You make us holy through the word. We pray that as we listen to the word and as we study the word, we pray that our lives would be transformed. For we acknowledge our weakness, that we cannot change ourselves. We cannot turn away from sin by ourselves. We need the grace of God. We cannot even improve our habits. We are plagued by bad habits. However, we know that through your word and through your spirit, sanctification happens and transformation happens. We thank you, O Lord. We pray for your blessing upon your people at this season of pandemic. Give us that, that desire to know you more, to read the Holy Scriptures, to grow in faith, to grow in love and intimacy with you, to grow in the fear of the Lord and awe and worship. Father, we praise you for who you are. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who died for us, but rose again from the dead. Thank you for calling us to repentance and faith. Thank you for bringing us to salvation. And we pray, use us as your instruments to preach the gospel of Christ to others. Thank you, Father. We pray for your continued protection upon us and our families from COVID-19. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you also protect us from all other diseases. Remove worry and anxiety from us. Teach us to accept your will, to submit to your will. Teach us to have the confidence in you that you are unfolding everything that needs to be unfolded. Thank you, Father. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 to 14. This is our second sermon in our new series on the Epistle to the Hebrews. The title of today's message is Christ Superior to Angels. Christ Superior to Angels. The writer of the Epistle to the Hebrews established that Christ is greater than the prophets. God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament, but now God speaks to us through his Son. And until this day, we proclaim the message of his Son throughout the world. Even here in the Bikul region, until now, it is no longer the message of the prophets we proclaim. We proclaim the message of the Son. In the Old Testament, God spoke to the prophets 
to promise the coming of the Son. But since the coming of the Son, through His birth, throughout His life, His death, resurrection, and until today, those promises are being fulfilled. Let me remind you that the word last days means the days of fulfillment as opposed to the days of promises. And the writer of Hebrews says, in these last days, God spoke to us through the Son. The Old Testament prophet office, which seems to be part of the political structure in Israel, there, were the, there was the king, the priesthood, and there was the prophet, did not carry over to the New Testament. Yes, there were prophets in the New Testament, like Agabus, and he gave guidance to Paul, the apostle. For example, he tied his hands and said, this is what will happen to you when you go back to Jerusalem. But they no longer gave any revelation to add to the promises of God, because now would be the days of Fulfillment. So if you ask, when did the last days begin? The beginning of the promise was the birth of Christ. In Isaiah 9, a child shall be born to us. Some would even argue that the beginning was the coming of John the Baptist. Any of those, I believe, would be valid to say. Now, the end of times and the end of the world is a different discussion. But we are in the last days because we are seeing the fulfillment. And part of the fulfillment that must happen is that every tribe, tongue, and nation must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me qualify that. Representatives from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And we see that in Revelations chapter 7 verse 9, which is in harmony to the command of Christ found in Luke 24, verse 47, when he told his apostles that they should proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins to all the nations. Ethne, the word is ethne, meaning tribe and tongue. Not literally nations, as in geopolitical nations. This is also in line with Matthew 28, when Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all ethne, all nations. Nations there, the word is ethne, not the English word nations we know now as geopolitical. It meant tribes and languages. And when we say tribes and languages, Please do not think of people in G-strings, although some of them may still be wearing that. But when we say tribe, it is a people group of a certain language. A people group with a certain language, like the Bicolanos, like the, uh, like the Magindanaons, like the Tausug, like the Mangyans. Now, some of these people groups I mentioned to you have a viable church already, meaning they have pastors and elders like the Mangyans, even the Aitas, and of course the Bicolanos. But there are still others who don't have that. The days of fulfillment is still happening today. That was the first part. In Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 3, we discussed that the days of fulfillment is still here. So Christ is superior to the Old Testament prophets. He is superior. The message of the prophets was about the Son, the Messiah who is to come, who was to come. And now Messiah has come. So the days of fulfillment. And the writer of Hebrews, and we do not know who this person really is, some believe it is Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, because of the theology and because of the writing style. 
However, some would argue, because of the writing style as well, perhaps it's not Paul. Because Paul often signs his name at the beginning of the letter. This has no signature. But since the thinking, the thought pattern seems to be like Paul, perhaps it's somebody close to Paul the Apostle. Some think it could be Silas. Some think it could be Apollos. Uh, so these are possible writers of Hebrews. But since we do not know, God has a purpose for everything. But the theology is so aligned to the other books in the, in the New Testament. Now the purpose of the writing is to convince the Jewish believers or the people in church who may not yet be truly Christians, but attend, to convince them that Christ is superior to Judaism, because these were Jewish people being converted back to Judaism. And the letter was probably written in the early to mid-AD 60s, of course, now they call it after common era. I still like using A.D. Before A.D. 70, because A.D. 70 was when the temple was destroyed. And there was persecution. What kind of persecution? Remember that Nero is in power, and he doesn't like Christians. Christians are not a recognized religion under Nero, but Judaism was. So Judaism doesn't have the same... Uh, persecution compared to Christians. Remember that Christians were fed to the lions at a certain time in history. And, uh, and the burning of Rome was blamed on Christians. So this writer is saying that, hey, Jesus is superior to Judaism, and don't be afraid of persecution because you should fear God more. And you'll find that theme in, in, in the epistle. Now, Judaism exalts angels. They hold angels in high esteem. In fact, they have, uh, I think, 10 classifications of angels, and they have given many names. But four names rise up as archangels. The writer of Hebrews in this section, starting verse 4, is saying that Christ is superior to angels. And that is the theme of our sermon today. The difference is vast. Angels were ministering spirits who serve God, but the Lord Jesus is God. When we say ministering spirits, it means serving spirits. The word minister is the word service as well. They are in service to God. The Jewish people at that time, and I believe even until today, believe that angel, angels are highly exalted beings. They played a role in bringing the law to Moses. You will find in Deuteronomy 33 verse 2 that when the law was delivered to Moses, there were countless angels. And some translation says a myriad. Some would say 10,000 angels. Uh, it's, a, it's not literal, it's a metaphor, hyperbole, saying there were a lot. So they played a role. And the Jews believed that the angels, angels were like a council to God, like a senate. They discussed things. And in their tradition, they have named four archangels, two of which we know, uh, Michael, Gabriel. You're familiar with Mike, Michael and Gabriel. How about Uriel and Raphael? They are archangels in their tradition. Uriel and Raphael. All four surrounded God. But no matter how esteemed angels are, 
their status is not the same as the Son of God. The author of Hebrews explained that angels were ministering spirits, not higher in status compared to the Son. Let's look at verse 7 and verse 14. And of the angels, he says, God, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So the angels are powerful beings. So we do not discount who they are. We do not lessen their role. They serve God, but they are, are powerful creatures created by God. And I like verse 14. Can we jump to verse 14? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? I do believe that angels come to our aid. In fact, Paul, the apostle, said, some of you have entertained angels unknowingly, and I do believe they interact with us even today. It's a belief, and some of us may have seen them. Please do not think of angels as those with wings, with flowing white uh, garments, and that shines as bright as the sun. They may appear that way if God chooses the, them to appear that way, as we see in the Old Testament. But you know that when they appeared, for example, to Abraham, they appeared like men. And Jacob wrestled with one. Of course, these represent God, as if God was there, because they represent God. Point number one in our sermon outlined, the Son has a better name. Christ Jesus inherited a more excellent name compared to the angels. Christ is the only eternally begotten Son of God. Angels were to worship him, and none of the angels are his equal. Now, some of us may be saying, but Pastor Ed, we know that. I know you know that, but studying the Bible is studying it in its context. Because things become more clear when we go to the application and we go to the doctrines. It is very important. Some are afraid to discuss doctrine. We have no choice, my friends. If you study the New Testament especially, before the apostle goes to the practical living, they discuss the theology, the reason behind. And if we don't know the theology, you would end up thinking like the world. For example, some would say that, that to be godly is just to be good. It's about good works. It is about passing a certain standard, so I will be accepted. All religions say that, except Christ Jesus. In Christ, nobody is qualified. All have sinned. We know that, yes. But then, not everybody accepts that. In our study here, you saw that Judaism does not accept Christ as the Messiah. Until today, they are still expecting a different Messiah. So how do you speak to them? How do you relate to them? Some even say that Christ is not God. And how do you speak to them? How do you bring them to Scripture? How do we explain it? to them, thus the importance to know God's word ourselves. So the Son has a better name. Verse 4, let's read verse 4, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. The author of the Hebrews would say he is better, but then comes to a conclusion that he cannot be compared. It's, it's really wonderful to read. He's better. He begins with Christ is better. Then in the end, he will reveal the status of Christ. That he is not just better. Hey, you cannot compare anybody with Christ. No matter how the Jewish people held the angels in high esteem, Christ should be exalted higher than them. 
One primary reason is that none of the angels can claim that they were the only begotten Son of God. Only Christ can claim that he is the only begotten Son of God. Let's continue in verses 5 and 6. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Uh, the answer is nobody. God did not say that to angels. Moreover, all angels, including archangels, were meant to worship the Son of God. So, and when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. The angels were meant to worship God. Christ is superior to angels, not inferior and not equal. The Lord Jesus is the firstborn. Take note. You need to explain this carefully. When you say firstborn, it doesn't mean first created. Otherwise, the writer of Hebrews would be contradicting himself in the immediate context. When we say firstborn, and when the Jewish people say firstborn, it is the first in status. It is always double portion for the firstborn. The firstborn son gets double the inheritance. The Lord Jesus is the firstborn, signifying his status, not creation, not in the order of creation. Again, firstborn does not mean first created. Let that be clear. Firstborn, again, is more about status, not the order of creation. Please do not forget that, because there are some cults who will argue that Christ was firstborn, meaning he was created by God himself. The funny thing is, many so-called Christians, or probably genuine Christians, but don't know their doctrine, don't know how to answer this because they're not sure in their conviction and they cannot root their doctrine in that part of Scripture. In the latter verses, we will see here that he was there and he created everything. If he created everything, did he create himself? Of course not. He was eternal as the Father was eternal. Next point, God called his son God. And this is really good. God called his son Jesus as God. That is biblical proof of Christ's deity. Let me introduce a word, deity. D-E-I-T-Y. Okay? Deity. Now, for for religions with many gods, all of them are deity. For example, mythology, when we study that in, in literature, I mean, Zeus is God, Hercules is, is, is a demigod, uh, Hera is God, uh, Apollo is God. These are deities in Greek mythology. But for our usage and for all monotheistic religions or religions who believe in one God, deity is what? Is divine and the supreme. There's only one, monotheistic. Deity is for us the divine and the supreme. So scripture calls Jesus firstborn, reflecting his status, rather than creation. The title son Take note, he was called son. He was not called son necessarily. It wasn't evident in the Old Testament, but we see glimpses of him all over the, uh, the Old Testament, although it was mentioned in Daniel, a son of man. The title son was given to him when he became flesh. Another technical term, he became flesh means he became, he became man. That term we used is, or used in theology, is incarnation, not reincarnation, okay? 
God becoming man, the word of God becoming flesh, is called the incarnation of the Son of God. He was the word who created the world, but he became flesh. Now, I'd like to read again uh, John chapter 1, 1 to 3, reflecting that he created, he created the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Stop there. Analyze. When you study Scripture, you analyze. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So, verse 1 of John is saying, yes, God was there, and the Word was there, and they are one. And that is the mystery of the Trinity, which we will discuss a little more later. Next, verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, without Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Nothing became without Him. Nothing was created without him. Now, Luke 1.35, let's read that, because here he would be called Son of God. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So this was an angel declaring that he shall be called son of God. He shall be called son of God. Previous to that, he was not called son of God. Mark 3.11, let's listen to what the demon said. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, these are demons, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the son of God. So an angel declared he shall be called son of God. And the demons declared he is the son of God. Now, some religions say that Christ is not God. He's a, either a subordinate God, one of the gods of many gods that God created, uh, one of the heavenly beings, or he's pro he was probably, some religions say, a man who achieved the status as God. Many challenged his deity since the first century. Until today, they still challenge his deity. But the author of Hebrews clearly stated that God called his son as God. Therefore, we believe that Christ is God in essence and nature. Let us read Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9. But of the Son, he says, who said, God says. Listen to this carefully and read it carefully. But of the Son, he says, this is God speaking to the Son. God said to the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Now the Father called his Son God. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. This describes the throne of God the Son. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Furthermore, the writer of Hebrews stated that God declared the Son, his, his Son as God. And his Son existed from the beginning. The Son was not one of those created, but the Son created the world. Creation perishes, but the Son exists eternally. Where was the Son in creation? In Genesis, where was He? He was the Word. When God said, let there be light, and there was light, He was the Word of God. Now, let's read verses 10 to 12 and... You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. 
and they all will become old like a garment, and like a mantle you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. So Christ, the Son, is God. I hope that is crystal clear according to Scripture. He is not a God. Some cults say he is a God. He is created by God. You see, it's called begotten. No, that is status. That is prominence above all. Otherwise, the writer would be contradicting himself that nothing was created without him. Then he could not be one of those created. And next, the author states that the Son is sovereign. Third point, the Son is sovereign. The Lord Jesus Christ sits at God's right hand, the highest authority in the universe, higher than all. Thus, the Son has dominion over all, including the angels. And that's the point. He's saying, hey, Christ is better than the angels. He has a better name. And what? God calls him God, okay? That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And not only that, he sits where? He sits on the throne. The throne. The Lord Jesus Christ sits at God's right hand, the highest authority in the universe, higher than all. Thus the Son has dominion over all, including the angels who are servants of the Son. The angels are mere servants of the Son. None of the angels sits at the place of perfect dominion. None of the angels are, are called the only begotten Son of God. None of them. Only Christ sits in perfect dominion. Verse 13 of Hebrews 1, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Angels exist to serve God. Thus, no one should worship them. Take note, no one should worship angels. Angels are powerful servants of God. Their purpose is to execute the will of God. And one will of God that they execute is to come to our service. But no, you cannot order your angel around. <laughs> some, some weirdo Christians do that. Hey, angel, uh, can you do this for me? God sends them to our aid, but they submit to God, not to you. At least not yet. In the world to come, yes, but not yet in this world. But you can sing, put them in parts of your songs, like when God commanded his angels, David would sing about how the angel of the Lord pursued his enemies. And you can put it there, but take note. You don't need to develop a special relationship with your angel, okay? I remember when I was a little kid, I used to pray to the angel of God. Did you pray that as well? Oh, yes, you did. And uh, it was cute. It was cute when little boys and girls pray the angel of God. But take note, we pray only to God in the name of Jesus. Is that clear? He commands the angels. We cannot disrespect the angels. Take note, you cannot even disrespect the devil. You can read that in the book of Jude. You cannot even revile them, as we should not even revile other humans. But angels are what? Ministering servants. Let's read verse 14 again. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Application. Number one, revere his name. His name is better than the angels. Therefore, we should uphold his name as the highest and most excellent of all. No other name can save men from eternal punishment. We should praise and proclaim his name, whose name, the Lord Jesus, above all angels. But let's extend the application above all humans. Above all humans. 
It's Peña Francia again, and people will be honoring a human who also sinned. The Bible said all have sinned. And we should not honor somebody higher than when what we give honor to Christ. Religious icons, saints, and friends, even respectable persons who are alive today. You know, the problem with, with our modern culture, which we got from, from the West, is called cel- celebrity. The celebrity. We like celebrities. Mahilig sa artista. Huh? You know, and some of us are fans. And you know what fans do? They would do anything to defend the, their celebrity. They will argue with anybody. These are raving fans. In the Philippines, we had those classic rivalries since, since I was a kid. I was already hearing the battle between Vilma Santos and Nora Honor. And that was me as a kid hearing that. And growing up as a kid, there was a battle between Ana Lisa and Flor de Luna. And it increases all the more. Even kids had that. Voltis 5 versus Mazinger Z. It wasn't really a battle though. Uh, it was too far. But we are fans and we fight. We should never be fans of preachers. Include us in the list. Every preacher must be tested for what they preach. And your filter is what? The Word of God. That's why we want you to study God's Word. Because we must filter every messenger. Paul the Apostle, when he was in Berea, and the Bereans, when he was preaching them, take note, Paul was already a known figure by that time. When Paul went to Berea, and and the, the Bereans listened in Acts 17, and they said, okay, we'll check if what you're saying is in the Scriptures. So they checked the Old Testament if what Paul was saying was in the scripture. You know what Paul said? These Bereans are more honorable. Why? They're not doing it out of disrespect. They're doing it out of respect for God first. So let me clarify that. Please do not become our followers. I do not want lightning to come from heaven and hit me. Do not put us on a pedestal. Do not say, sabi ni pastor. Rather say, the word of God said. I expounded it, yes. But you should look, is it really what the word of God is saying? So what should you say to people? The scripture said. Not, sabi ni pastor. That is no match to what the Bible says. Is that clear? I want us to have that proper perspective because I am not a fan of any celebrity preacher, especially if you see them on YouTube or TV. I test everybody. We must all have that filter. That is why we encourage everybody to study with us because we want followers of Christ, not followers of ourselves. We don't follow angels as well. Let me just quote a few verses. Acts 4.12, there is no salvation. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. So only the name Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and in 11, I'm just getting verses to support what we have already expounded. Okay, I'm not cross-referencing for the sake of cross-referencing. Philippians 2, 10 to 11, So that at the name of Jesus, whose name? Jesus. Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, what tongue? Every language and every little tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, this will happen no matter what. If not today, on Judgment Day, the proud and angry will bow down and they would have no choice. To those who ignored God's word will have to bow down. To those who rebelled against God's word, they will have to bow down. And this will happen one day. One day in time. So I say, why wait? He has dominion already. He has a name which is above every name. 
Number two, affirm the deity of Christ. That's the second application. He is the Son of God who calls the Father God. And the Father calls his Son God. They are one. Yet two persons of the Trinity, the unity of the three. The third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. The three are one being but three in persons. Now, we get confused because we try to use our logical mind to interpret the Trinity. But the language of Scripture is clear. The two are one, and the one are two, and three as well. We cannot understand because we are not God. However, there was one application or one explanation that made it so simple. There was this preacher who said... He was part of the Ravi Zacharias team. We fail to understand this because we are humans, and humans are one in being and one in person. We are one in being and one in person. God is one in being, three in persons. Three, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. But the Father is not necessarily the Son, and the Son is not necessarily the Spirit, and the Spirit is not necessarily the Father. They are one in being, but three in persons. Scripture affirms the deity of Christ. Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles declares the same truths in his letter to the Colossians. So Colossians 1 verses 15 and 19, look at the resemblance of this theology from the writer of Hebrews. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Sounds like the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, he has one usage of firstborn. First among standards of all creation. For by him, all things were created, both in heaven, heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Invisible includes what? The angels. Invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Take note, through him and for him. You were created through him and for him. Not for yourselves, selves, for him. I was created not for me, but for him. But he died for me. He sacrificed everything for me. It's not about you, but he died for you and sacrificed everything for you. But it's not about you, it's about him. Because some people live their Christian life as if it's about me. It's about what I feel. I feel sad. I feel lonely. I feel this. I feel this. Oh, nobody understands me. Nobody does this to me. And how come he has a better this? And I don't have that. And how come she has a better this? And I don't have it. What a miserable life. You were created for him. And the more you focus on him, the more you will deal with your own depression. I'm not saying don't see a doctor. All I'm saying is put Christ first in everything. And somehow, a perspective becomes clear. He did not die for our comfort on earth. He died to save our soul. He did not guarantee a comfortable life on earth. Sometimes we will feel comfort. Sometimes discomforts. That's how it is. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Remember, so similar. He holds everything by the word of his power. He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Firstborn from the dead. Now, this is another discussion about what? The resurrection of the dead saints in the future. Because we will be saved not only with our souls, but one day the body shall be redeemed as well. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Now, some say that all religions are the same. All religious leaders are the same. 
They say they all point to the same things. What are they pointing at? Being a good person and loving one another. Isn't that the point of all religions? That is not the point of Christianity. That is not the point of the gospel. That is a manifestation. One of the manifestations is that you become a good person and you love your neighbor. That's one of the results. It's not do this and you will reward it, be rewarded with this. That is a result. But we say that it is a mistake. It is a mistake to say that all religions, what they say, that they all point to God. Do you know that the Baha'i faith believe that uh, Christ is just one of the divine manifestations of God? And there are so many manifestations on earth and they all point to the divine being. If that's the case, why would the Christians in the first century die in the face of persecution, beaten, being eaten by lions in the arena? They were willing to die for their faith in Christ. They do not agree that it's all the same anyway. It's a mistake to put Christ in the same category as anyone. He's not only superior to angels, he sits at the right hand of God. We emphatically declare that there is only one way to the Father. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. Moreover, the gospel is not about being a good person and loving one another. Such are considered part of the outcome, but not the essence. Otherwise, why would Christ have to die if the goal is just to be a good person? and love one another. There is no need for a sacrifice because that message was already on earth. Be a good person. He had to die because an innocent lamb who had no sin is the only one who can take the place of sinners in the justice system of God. God has a justice system. Sin must suffer. Sin equals damnation, the justice of God, the wrath of God. But God, because he is just, he found a way for his justice to be served and his mercy to be expressed. And that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's why it is an insult to say he's just like anybody else. Don't let me hear that from you. If you dare to debate me, then let us debate as gentlemen. But please do not just say for the sake of argument, no, no, study and face me if you want. Study. To those who doubt the resurrection of Christ, you know, there's one movie I do advise. It's called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Wonderful movie. I think you can find that in YouTube. How how this person using, using academic research, using the disciplines of academia, which makes PhDs today, by the way, and makes lawyers as well. After studying thoroughly, he was an atheist, and after he applied that, his goal was to debunk Christianity, and Lee Strobel ended up believing in Christ. The gospel is about how the word of God became flesh to dwell among us who suffered temptations yet did not sin. He did not sin. He was the only one worthy to suffer and die for our atonement. Nobody else was worthy because all men have sinned. But because he did not sin, death could not hold him. Thus he rose again from the dead as atonement for our sins. He paid our debt. What's our debt? Sin. And he now calls all men to repent for the forgiveness of sin. So, brothers and sisters, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ should never grow old in our minds and hearts. In Filipino, huwag niyong pagsasawaan yan. Every day, it should be fresh, and every day, we should thank him for dying for us on the cross. Every day, it should be fresh in our hearts. It's not that, yeah, yeah, I know that already. 
The moment you act that way, it means you lack the appreciation because you lack the understanding of what happened on that cross and you lack the understanding of who died on that cross. Who died? God becoming man is the biggest act of humility in the universe. He is God and divine and supreme. Taking the form of what? Lowly flesh and blood. Flesh and blood that easily gets hurt, that easily gets sick. Flesh and blood that can easily be, be uh, infected by a virus. Flesh and blood that has limitation. So the divine became flesh. And so, brothers and sisters, let us understand the humility that he showed us. Other religions establish a standard for a person to qualify. The gospel states that no one is qualified. Others say, if you're good enough, you might get into heaven. Or even you have good points in purgatory. Good points. And if your loved ones continue donating money, you might go to heaven. Foolish doctrine. The gospel states all have sinned. The only way is to believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Trust him for our salvation. And what? Practice repentance. Which is what? What is repentance? Aligning our thoughts to his word. Repentance is a change of mind. Not only turning away from sin, but changing our mind. And lastly, submit to the sovereign dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And we should confess that he is Lord. But please do not take away the context from Romans 10, 9, and 10. That yes, a person is saved when he confesses Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart. But please do not take the context away from the book of Romans. What does it say there? If we are in Christ, should we continue to sin? Certainly not. Please add that. Please add Romans 8, which says, To be carnally minded is death. But the things of the Spirit is life. Please add that to your Roman presentation. Do not just end up with a cute sinner's prayer. You end up with what? The whole context of explanation. He is Lord. What does that mean? We submit. Frankly, I do not like the modern term, make him your Lord. That's nothing wrong with that, really. But not accurate, because you cannot make him Lord. He is already Lord of all. You just have to submit to his, to his lordship. And then you add the word personal. And I, I know what it means. It, it, because people are so impersonal with God. And somehow we try to teach them to be personal with God. But there's a danger to saying that as well. Even the apostles didn't say that. I don't like saying that because, you know, I have personal stuff, right? Like my toothbrush is only mine. Would you like to borrow my toothbrush? You can't because it's personal. He's, a, he's my Lord, it's between me and him. That's yes and no. Yes, because salvation is individual. No, because we're always in the context of what? Submitting to scripture and learning scripture from a community. So what do we do? Thus we must submit to his authority by submitting to his word, the holy scriptures. We must proclaim the message of his death and resurrection that all should repent for the forgiveness of sins. And we discuss this as the key elements of the gospel in Luke 24. What is the message? Suffering, death, resurrection. Well, before that, Christ is the center of God's plan. Then his suffering, death, and resurrection. And then what? Proclaim. Jesus directly said, Luke 24, 47, proclaim what? Repentance. I hope you can repeat it with me, but we're not allowed because the virus spreads faster when we speak together in church. But say in your heart, repentance. Uh, yesterday, I had my brothers from Iriga and Buhi visit me. And once a month, they go there. to we, we share a small meal. And I love it that they bring coffee to me and I ask them to buy some fish in Buhi. Wonderful fellowship. And we had this, there was this illustration that came out that I never used before. So, some of us love to drink coffee, even instant coffee, right? Some of us love to drink coffee, even if it's instant. We grew up using what? Uh, instant coffee, Nescafe. Not three-in-one, just Nescafe, right? 
Eh, that, that bitter taste, God, we got used to that bitter taste and mix it with some sugar and a little milk, it's fantastic. That is the traditional coffee of Filipinos. And I'm not plugging for Nescafe. They're not paying me to advertise, all right? I'm just saying instant coffee. Okay, let's just say great taste as well. But then, some of us, when we were kids, when we make our coffee, we do not really make coffee. Because there's coffee with a little milk and a little sugar. That's coffee. But some of us put three teaspoons full of milk and maybe three teaspoons of sugar and a little spot of coffee, just for the taste. Now, I said, that's not coffee. That's milk with coffee. That's not coffee with milk. And then I drove home the point. Let's preach the gospel. Sometimes it's no longer the gospel we're preaching. Why? Because we've minimized the role of repentance when Jesus directly commanded, this is how. This is what you say. This is what you proclaim directly. Please do not argue with that. That's direct. It's not me explaining something, therefore you have to preach it there. It's not me saying that. It's a direct statement. So we proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Remember, brothers, Christ is Lord. Our lives are not our own. Your life is not your own. It belongs to Christ. Not to us, not to another. Not to another. Thus, we should live in such a way where we submit everything to Him. And we should fully submit all our thoughts, words, emotions, relationships. Please submit your relationships to Him. Submit everything to Him and actions to Him. By His grace, we have faith in His word, which results in obedience for His glory. Again, He is supreme and sovereign. Therefore, we proclaim, proclaim people to come to Christ. We preach that people should not make saints or angels as equal to Christ. Christ is above all. Please show in our daily lives, in our private lives, in our private thoughts, our private feelings that Christ is Lord, not us, not ourselves, but Christ. And in our public lives, we have to show that Christ is Lord. What does this mean to us? And I end here. What does this mean? That Christ is deity. Christ is God. That God called his son God. He's better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. No, he's not just better. He's incomparable because he is God. As one young person said here in our small group online, it means everything. That is everything to me. That he is everything. And he is the very substance of the promise of the Old Testament. That is everything to me. Not just when I'm not busy, I have time for Christ. No, that is everything. He is everything and all to me and nothing else. And everything I do is because of him. Why do I take care of my family? Because of my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I want to become a good citizen? Not for the sake of being a good citizen. It's because of my submission to the Lordship of Christ. Why do I honor my parents? Because I am submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because if I make it about humans, we will fail one another. That is guaranteed. We will disappoint one another. But if it is for Christ, He did not disappoint me. And his death and resurrection is everything to me. Therefore, I made these words as an offering of worship to him. And I have entitled titled this piece, Christ Above All Creation. Christ Above All Creation. Christ is above all creation. We bow down in adoration. The angels worship Christ the Lord. They sing to him in one accord. God the Father called his Son God. Who dare to say that he is not? He who dares is but a fraud. Pitiful soul in hell shall rot. 
Thus we exalt his name on high. There's no one else we magnify. Not self, nor saints, nor kings on earth will ever come close to his worth. Let us all rise and let us pray. Lord, thank you for a moment, for an hour we have reflected that Christ has dominion, Christ is sovereign, Christ is better than the prophets and the angels, but more so, Christ is above all, and he is God. For you, O Father, called him God, and the Son called you God. And you said that the Son created the world. Nothing was created without Him. He was with you in the beginning, and He is you as well. What a privilege to be called into His family. It is a privilege for us, for we had nothing to do with our salvation. It is your choice, and we submit to you. We thank you, we honor you, and we praise you. Deep in our hearts, we submit to you. May our private lives and public lives declare that you are Lord of all, that you are sovereign. May our message be about the Son of God, not about men, not about angels, not about saints, not about us but about you and you alone. To you be the glory. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon. God bless you all. I'll see you next week. Good morning.